0: Amen. That's a beautiful song. Amen. Thank y'all again for being here. Um, So there's a mother that was away all weekend at a business conference. And during a break, she decided to call home Collect. Y'all remember Collect calls? Her six-year-old son picked up the phone and heard a stranger's voice say, We have a Marsha on the line. Will you accept the charges? Frantic, he dropped the receiver and came charging outside, screaming, Dad, Dad, they've got mom and they want money. <laughs> she, bless his her, bless her heart. I saw a card the other day where Brooke, well, well, little Brooke, says this Dear mom, thank you so much for being my mom. If I had a different mom, I would punch her in the face and go find you. <laughs> yeah, I love that one. I don't know why. The punching in the face. I just like that one. And then there was one where I saw where Joyce prayed Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but. What I prayed for was a puppy. I don't know about you, but there's something special about home, isn't it? About family, mothers and fathers, and sons and daughters, even little puppies. Y'all know about ours. Bless his heart, he's doing better, by the way. He's he's not he's not had an accident in the house in a while, so he's he's doing better. But family, something that's very special about family. I I've, um, I'm blessed to have a a, a big a. Um, especially my dad's side of the family uh and my mom's side of the family as well as uh you know it's close but in a different way but um uh, yesterday we had a party for kaylin we had to uh, uh had to reschedule her birthday party a couple times because of covid and uh you know and and um sally's aunt was like um you know you have a really good family you know there's a very nice i said, I know i'm blessed i really am uh we do a cane grinding every year uh, my dad's been doing it for i don't know. Uh, 30 years or more, and, uh, it's, you know, I have a lot of friends and family that come, and um, I, I'm, I'm really blessed. Apparently, uh, I love my family so much that I got rejected by Fellowship of Christian Athletes, okay? That's a true story. Uh, FCA rejected me. Uh, I thought I was going to, after I retired from coaching uh, basketball about six years ago, uh, I was told uh, in the last interview for FCA that I had a tendency to go home when things got tough, and so they said no to me. But, but don't we all? Don't we all? Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I I think that's okay. Um, You know, uh, this is home, and you guys have accepted us, and and I'm just so grateful. You guys are awesome. Uh, I have such a wonderful uh, church family uh, as my first uh, pastor, hopefully only one. Um, I hope y'all keep me around for a little bit longer anyway. Um, But it's nothing. This home in our home that we actually live in is nothing compared to the home I'm going to i'm going to when my life here is over and i hope you'll go with me nothing like that eternal home and so our our central statement and again thank you miss Rhonda. you you're always so awesome and she's gonna stick around later and help memorial thank you um and sally and mr loris and alex and we appreciate all you guys who work i work so hard but this is our our statement today uh and if you're you're visiting uh we try to have a central statement and try to have the points off of that so if you are taking notes it just uh, makes it a little easier uh, but because our eternal home is worth it, coming home is marked by confession, restoration, and celebration. But we have to get there first. So the first point is, is, uh, here is making it, trying to drill down to the idea that we're all lost, and but our home is worth going to. Amen? So that's our first parts here. So Mark Twain, y'all know Mark Twain. I'm sure most of y'all do. was once interviewed by a reporter who asked him, People say you are the best storyteller ever lived. What do you have to say about that? Well, Mark Twain replied, I'm not the best storyteller that ever lived. And then reporters asked, well, who would you regard as the greatest storyteller ever lived? He said, it will be Jesus. Um, And if so, okay, Mr. Twain, what's the greatest story ever told? He said, the prodigal son. The prodigal son. So read with me. It will be on the screen. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. Sally already read the first 10 verses of Luke 15. Okay. All right, so you, you've already you've already seen uh, that part. The the lost sheep, the lost coin. And then we have this. He also said, it's Jesus speaking, and if you remember, it was in response to being criticized for eating with sinners. Oh, how dare he do that. And then he says this. He also said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have come to me. So he distributed assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his field from the pods that the pigs were eating But no one would give him anything. Verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. But while his son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it, and let's celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he summoned one of his servants, questioning what these things meant. Your brother is here," he told him, "and your father has slaughtered a fattened calf because he has him, has him back safe and sound." Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. They replied to his father, "Look, I've been slaving many years for you, and I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when his son of yours came, when when this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered a fattened calf for him." Son, he said to him, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. May God bless the reading of his word. I want to start today by connecting you to the story. A good English teacher is supposed to do that, right? And since I taught English most of the years I taught, all right, that's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try to connect you to the text. A little background here. This is the last of three stories, and I mentioned it earlier, that tells that Jesus tells after J- Pharisees accuse him of eating with sinners. We had the lost sheep, we had the lost coin, and we have the lost son. And I think that we can offer, really honest with ourselves this morning, we can say we've been those things in our lives. Amen? So we've been those things in our lives. As the great hymn goes, we once were lost but now are found, was blind but now we see. See, some of you are lost now and, and some of you know it. While some of you don't even realize it. Or maybe you don't want to admit it, but that's another sermon for another day. See, I was lost. I was lost and Jesus found me. He chased me. He chased me in a bar all right, uh, while I was drinking. He chased me there and said, what are you doing? All right, I still love you. I still want you. All right, give your life to me. See, I was lost and I'm found. I believe if we opened up the, the time here, we could probably go another hour listening to people tell their stories about being lost and now found. Amen? And there might be something good to do from time to time. So before we look at this idea of the eternal home being worth going home to, I wanted to make the point that we all at one point in our lives went astray. We were all at one time in our lives the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Every single one of us but um, i remember when i first left home and i was in college and and that was kind of tough i was my, my senior year of college and i lived about a uh, a block from bsu and that wasn't it was okay you know it wasn't too bad and i was still kind of h- close to home and then my first year t- uh, teaching i was in alabama which is a, a, a while away which is you know five six hours away but the good thing was my sister and her husband lived in mobile and I lived in Bay Manette, which was 30 minutes away. So I was like, I was still close to home. In fact, I went every Friday, I went to their, I went to their apartment. A one-bedroom apartment, Mobile, and I, I slept on the couch uh, Friday night, Saturday night, and I came back Sunday. And occasionally I would go to, I would come back home and see, see family here. But I really wasn't away. But then, whew, my second year of teaching in Brunswick, Georgia, whew, bless me, Lord, that was tough. That was tough. It was a tough year, and that was really the first time being away, really being away from home. Um, I messed my knee up had to have surgery I actually had a lady from a church that put me in her house to help take care of me um, during that because I didn't really have family around so that was tough so being away being away was tough and, and I know I got to say this I want to clear I want to kind of give a side note here as we go into deeper into this message that maybe some of you were raised in tough homes and rough homes and hard homes uh, maybe even abusive homes and I just want to say I'm sorry that you had to experience that and I want you to see something different today than what you may have experienced, that our Heavenly Father is worth coming home to. Amen? Right. And so because our eternal home is worth it, coming home is marked by confession, restoration, and celebration. Our eternal home is worth it because our Heavenly Father is there, because He's there. We call this story the parable of the lost son, parable of the prodigal son, but it could also be called the parable of the loving father, could it not? Right? Uh, for it emphasizes the graciousness of the father more than the sinfulness of the son. Our father is a good, good father, one that we earthly fathers can emulate. And, and by the way, fathers, let me preach to you for a second, although it might not be Father's Day. Uh, be careful how you treat your children. For research shows that this will have the most impact on how your children view our heavenly father, how you treat, not, not the mom, not the father, how the father treats the children. Here's the deal about our Heavenly Father. He's holy. Amen. He's righteous. He's perfect. He's sinless. He's almighty God. He's worthy to be praised. But He's also loving. He's a loving God. We, we you know, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to go home if, if, if I knew that every time I went home, I'd be berated. You know, that I'd be gotten onto. I'd be, you know, complained at. And man, Patrick, why aren't you doing this? And you're doing this wrong and doing that wrong. I don't think I like to do that very much, you know. I, w- I wouldn't want to go home very often. And, and I mentioned this before to you all in, in a couple sermons, but I honestly, you know, uh, think that some of the reasons why, uh, one of the main reasons why we, I was somewhat successful as a basketball coach was that my guys played hard for me because they knew I loved them, ultimately. You know, that was, that was the, uh, the main thing. They knew uh, that, that I can trust Coach Murphy because he cares about me. See, John 3.16, y'all know it, right? Some of y'all can quote it. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Everlasting life. Amen. See, he loved you. Yes, Jesus loves you. This I know. Anybody want to sing the rest of it? For the Bible tells us so, right? But, but here, here's, a, here's where the rubber meets the road. Do you believe it? See, you, you You sing it. We sing it. You've heard John 3.16. 6, you saw the man at the football game with the, you know, with it tattooed over his chest, was painted on his chest, chest there. But do you believe it? Do you really believe that a holy and righteous and sinless God loves you? That he made his, a wretch his treasure, like the song said. He made a wretch like me his treasure. Whew. I, I, I'm not worth that. I'm not worth that. But... To Jesus, I was. To God I was. He loved you in spite of yourself. And y'all know this is one of my favorite verses. It might be my favorite verse. You probably heard me preach it 50 times already in three years. Romans 5.8. But God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In spite of ourselves. He loves you in your sins. See, humans, we're not like that, right? Humans, we're not like that. All right? We humans, we we tend to love others after. after we see that they're worthy of our love, right? Isn't that how we do it? Okay? Or some of y'all, oh, Brother Patrick, I don't know, man. I loved him at first sight. Boy, she, I loved her at first sight. She was hot, okay? And I loved her at first sight. Yeah, but you had to see her first, all right? You still had to see him. You're still making my point, okay? All right, you still had to see it first. And see, we, we, ours, is, you know, a lot of times our love is, is conditional, you know? If you do this, I will love you. If you don't do that, I won't love you. You know, it, it's conditional. But he loved you and me when we were completely and entirely unlovable. See, i got to say that again. We were completely and entirely unlovable. And he loved us anyway. Amen? What an amazing love. See, he's a father you want to return home to see. Uh, not, Not one you intentionally stay away from. And what's more, you can be comfortable in your own skin because God loves you just as you are. You don't have to clean up first. Like i said it, uh, that's something we, we say a lot of times here, you know, uh, you don't clean up first, okay? Come, come to God first and He'll clean you up, okay? Uh, you, don't, you don't clean the fish before you catch it, okay? You've got to catch the fish first, just as you are. Can, can I just take a few moments here and look at the lyrics of that wonderful song, Just As I Am? And it's not on the screen, but listen, I'm going to read you some of, the, some of these words. I just want you to let it preach to you here, because it'll preach, okay? just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Okay? And nothing that we have that we can bring, right, Brother Tommy? Nothing that we can, all we bring is sinfulness. That's all we bring. We don't bring nothing to the table. Okay? We bring nothing to the table but our sinful selves. Right? Jesus' blood was shed for us. So when he sees you, he sees Jesus. If you've given your life to Jesus, you have accepted what Jesus did on a cross for you. God sees that. He sees you. He sees you, but he sees Jesus before you, okay? standing before you, covering you with his blood, amen? And then skipping down to that song, To thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, every single spot. There's not a sin that here that, that he, can't, he can't forgive. You know, we can get into some technical stuff on the Holy Spirit, but, but for, for our purpose today, even the hidden and uh, even those sins, hidden, even the sins that no one else knows about, Unknown to anybody else, guess what? He cleanses each spot. He doesn't leave, leave a stain. He does some perfect cleaning there, amen? Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings and fears within and without. Can y'all relate? Can you relate to that struggle? My life is tough. Life is hard. And, and, and I don't wanna, I'm not going to preach you a prosperity gospel today. Give your life to Christ is probably going to be harder. It will. Life is tough. Right? I, I'm not saying everything's going to be just you know, sunshine and roses if you give yourself to Christ, but you will have an eternal home in heaven and you will have joy every moment. If you have the Holy Spirit. Amen. Listen, listen to what else it says. Just as I am poor, wretched, blind, sight, riches, healing of the mind, yea, all I need in thee to find. O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Anybody here poor, wretched, blind? He's talking to you. He's talking to me. And he goes on to say, Thou wilt receive, wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve, because I promise, I believe. He goes on to say, Thy love unknown have broken every barrier down, now to be thine, yea, thine alone. O Lamb of God, I come, I come. you remember when Jesus died on the cross, what happened to the, the, to the curtain in the temple? We read about that last night in, in, our, uh, in our family time. It's torn into, symbolizing that the barrier between man and God, between humans and God has been broken. You can come to him, straight to him, through Jesus Christ. Just as I am of that free love, the breadth, length, depth, and height to prove, here for a season, then above. The Lamb of God, I come, I come. Amen. Stop trying to clean yourself off and make yourself right with God. It leads to a dead end. You'll never be able to do that. Guess what? You don't have to. He's already made the way for you. Let me give you a few examples from our passage today. All right, In Luke 15, verse 12, it says, The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Now, all right, it was perfectly legal for the younger son to ask for his share of the estate. Okay? It just wasn't really accepted socially. Okay, um, and, and he could even sell it, but it was certainly not a very loving thing to do on his part. He was basically saying, um, I wish you were dead. Because it was was what he would get when when the dad died, okay? I mean, it's okay. It was legal, all right? Um, But not a very loving thing to do. And notice that the son walked away with a lot of money. He didn't do anything to earn. He didn't do anything to earn that money, all right? It was only because his father was generous. His father was generous. Think about a heavenly father. The father gave it to him. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, when he was with the pigs, how many, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? I'm dying of hunger. He realizes that his father had richly provided for the family all along. What was he thinking? He even took care of the servants. See, it, if the boy had thought only uh, all about himself, his hunger, his homesickness, his loneliness, he would have despaired. But his painful circumstances helped him to see his father in a new way and it brought him hope. His father was so good to servants, maybe he would at least be willing to forgive a son. And then look in verse 20. So he got up, went to his father, but while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion. He ran threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. My favorite part. I don't know about y'all. I love that part because this indicates what? The father was looking for him. The father was looking for his son. He didn't give up hope for his son returning home. And just like the shepherd left the 99 to find the one sheep and the lady searching all over for that one coin. Same thing here. See, in the ancient East, a little background for you, um, old men didn't run. Okay? Not in the ancient East. That would, that, that, wouldn't have been, that would have been frowned upon as well. You're not supposed to run. All right? He didn't care about that, did he? All right. He ran the meeting. Why? One obvious reason was that his love for him and the desire to show that love. And I, I kept writing on the side of my notes here, scandalous, scandalous love. The scandalous love he has for us. See, he embraced his son, he fell on his neck and he kissed him. In all his filth, Brother Patrick. Remember he was just in a bunch of pig pig slot. Did that stop the father from falling on and hugging and loving him? No, it did not. And all his rags, filthy rags, yes. And all his haggard, shattered wretchedness. Yes. And notice that he interrupts his son's prepared speech. I like this part too. He says, the son, verse 21, 22, the son said to him, Father, I sinned against heaven in your sight. We'll talk about that in a minute, but stay with me. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but the father told his servants, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. He he, he interrupted him. Hey, hey, come on, quick, bring the stuff. Bring the stuff, we're going to party. All right, we're partying here. And then verse 22 to 24, the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it, and let's celebrate with the feast. Because a son of mine was dead and is alive again, he was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So not only is his father generous and provides for his family, but he throws the son an extravagant party in addition to that. This was unheard of. Why? Well, because things like this were expected to hand, be handled much differently. Again, it's okay for him to leave, but listen to what Deuteronomy 21 says about this stuff. There, it is. there is something I want to show you, so stay with me here. It says back in Deuteronomy, if a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father or mother and doesn't listen to them even after they discipline him, his father and mother are to take hold of him and bring him to the elders of his city, to the gate of his hometown. They will say to the elders of his city, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He doesn't obey us. He's a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city will stone him to death. You must purge the evil from you, and all Israel will hear and be afraid. And see, you could say that uh, this this applies, that this situation applies. We don't know all the details there. and uh, Jesus doesn't actually tell us all the details in that story. But I can see where that would be a reasonable conclusion, right? that he was uh, being uh, that to his dad. All right? So this wayward son had brought disgrace to his family and village, and according to this passage, what should have happened to him? should have been stoned to death. See, I could have, I could have titled today's uh, sermon From Stoning to a Shindig. Yeah, some of y'all wouldn't know what a shindig is. I'm guessing some of y'all would, though. I like the P. Like, some of y'all like, yeah, I know what that means. All right? I like that title. I might change it for next week. What do y'all think? All right, I think I might. Listen, this love was and still is scandalous. And he has the same love for you. I, I, I want to bring out this point, this part, I, I really... It really makes me think. If the neighbors had started to stone this young man, they would have had to hit the father who was embracing him. So hear me. If the neighbors had started to stone him, like it said back in Deuteronomy, they would have hit the father who was embracing his son. I don't know about you, but that gets me. What a picture! What Jesus did on the cross for us. Amen. Our fev- our heavenly Father is. As a father worth coming home to. Heaven is worth it. Amen. God is worth it. Since we have established that coming home is worth it, what are the markers along the way? And so we have about an hour left. I'm just playing. I have the clock back up there, by the way. All right. Mr. Mr. Tommy was picking on me. I said, I see how you got that clock down. I said, I'm going to go put a battery in it right now, man. All right. I have it. Okay. So I can still go to 12, so I'm good. All right. I can't help myself. Can't help myself. All right. Because our eternal home is worth it. Coming home is marked by confession, restoration, and celebration. So let's look at those parts briefly. See, we were driving home from Orlando a couple of weeks ago, weekends ago. I, we told you all about that. I was privileged to do the wedding for my niece a couple of weeks ago in Orlando. And, and before we went home, I, I was talking to my brother-in-law, Bruce, okay, my sister Erin's husband. I, I was like, man, I said, how long did it take y'all to get here? because it took us longer than it should have, and we paid way too much in tolls. I don't know what happened, but we paid way too, I thought we weren't supposed to pay much in tolls. I thought they were gonna like charge me later or something. You know? So anyway, I was like, what happened? So apparently I went off on the wrong road, real close to where I was. That was specifically toll road. Wasn't, wasn't the turnpike, but it was something off that. I don't even remember getting off. I was following Google, all right. trust, oh, not Google, um, Apple Maps. I, okay, Apple, tell me where to go, I'm going, right? But bro, my brother-in-law said, Pastor, don't do that. Watch the signs and see it. Watch the signs instead on the road, okay? Watch the signs and do what they tell you to do, and you'll be fine. I was tempted now. I was driving because my phone map was telling me one direction, Tyler. You know, it was telling me to go that way. I was like, oh, no, man. I was, uh, it was late at night, and I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I should follow that or not. You know, and I said, you know, I'm going to do what my, my brother-in-law said. Look for the signs on the road. I did, and guess what? I didn't pay anything in tolls, and we got home a lot quicker. Okay? See, signs are important. Has anyone ever seen Bruce Almighty? Anybody ever seen that movie? Okay, seen Bruce Almighty. Uh, And and he's going down the road towards the end of the movie, okay? And and, uh, he's he's saying, God, won't you just give me a sign? Won't you just give me a sign? God, give me a sign. Give me guidance. And, and, you know, and and the signs keep popping up like caution ahead, uh, you know, stop, different things. You know, he just kept moving on. uh, And then he runs into a truck carrying. Oh, actually, see a truck carrying stop signs. And he still keeps going and has an accident, right? See, these signs that we're going to talk about today will show us how to get home and then what happens when we get there. So what is the how? Confession. Look in verse 21. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And he said he was going to do that. He said, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go to my father. I'm going to tell him I'm sorry. See, the son had to admit that he had messed up, and this is where something that seems so easy is so hard in reality. Because of our pride. Because of our pride. We don't ever want to met, um, admit we messed up. Especially men. Amen, Romy. Me. Right? We don't want to uh, admit it. Because we're hard-headed. And Maybe you are, are that hard-headed person. I don't know. I can tell you uh, 26 years of teaching that I've seen students mess up, and they still... We'll say they didn't. And I saw them all night. Okay? I know we have teachers in the house. I guarantee it. Last year when I was a dean, uh, I had videos of kids doing wrong. There's one time, I'm not going to tell you the whole thing. Let's just say I had a video. I said, okay, tell me what happened, sir, son. Yeah. He said, I said, okay, I had the video. You want to watch the video? All right. watch the video. Showed him the video, and then he still denied it. I said, that's you, right? That's you. That you in the flesh. Okay, you did that. (laughs) And he still didn't admit it. Okay, see, we have to admit that we are a sinner. The old vacation Bible school, A, B, and C. Admit that we're a sinner. Uh, Romans 3.10, as it's written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short or the glory of God. See, in that same Bruce Almighty scene, there's a part, and I watched it the other day. Uh, or when I was preparing this, this message, I watched it and it made me cry. He, he screams out to God. He says, the only one around here not doing their job is you. Whew. See, we have to stop blaming and start taking blame. But, uh, but let, me, let me also clarify, God's not afraid of your honesty. He's a big God. He can handle it. You know, he's got big bridges on him, basically. Y'all ever heard that expression? He can handle it, okay? I didn't think I'd ever say that in church. But anyway, um, he can handle it. He can handle your honesty. You don't believe it. Look in Job. Job was very honest, right? You know, I, I, I'm struggling, right? Uh, Elijah, right? David in the Psalms. We did uh, many of those Psalms about a year or so ago, right? We were very, very honest with God. So it's okay. He can handle it. You can be honest to God, but confess your need for Him. See, unfortunately, we have a lot more Pharisees than tax collectors. Yeah. Who? what do I mean? What do you mean, Brother Patrick? What do you mean, Coach? Luke 18, verses 10-13. through 13. Let me tell you another story that he said. See, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. It's one of my favorites. The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. Oh, God, I thank you I'm not like other people. I'm not greedy, unrighteous. I'm not an adulterer. Or even like this old tax collector right over here. Oh, I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I got. I go to church every Sunday and Wednesday. I added that part. Okay? You got me. I think you understand. It goes with it. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And if you are a Christian... Today, that's that's the attitude, by the way, that you come. I'm a sinner. I admit I need Jesus. And if you're a Christian who needs your relationship restored, which, by the way, that's exactly what it is. See, the son never stopped being the son, did he? You use this illustration, you can't lose your salvation. 1 John 1, 9 through 10 says, If we, this is as Christians, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Right. So confess it. As a Christian, you should probably do this pretty regularly, not just one time a day. Right. Every time that you, can, every time you know that you do, that you've sinned, confess it. See, confession is one of the road markers leading you back home. But what happens when we get there? Will we face condemnation? Blame? Guilt? You see the central statement. Does anyone like to restore old vehicles or houses in here? I'm just curious. Any anybody any restorers in here? You like that. There's something cool about that, right? I have a uh, my friend. You should do that. You should take houses and restore them. There's something cool about taking something that's kind of beaten, beaten down, and battered, and you know, and dilapidated, and yet restoring it, and it looks so nice and shiny. There's something really cool about that, right? Um, anybody like old cars? old vehicles all right oh yeah all right. So I, I like old vehicles too my dad has one as well but i just this is just a little bit i could have found more but for the sake of time i thought i would keep y'all you know not as long but uh just listen to some of the examples of right now some some classic cars uh that's been restored and the going price there's a you know a honda from 64 to 70 i'm not going to tell you the, the whole name because i don't think that's the point there's old honda car uh 1600 $1,600 then, and it's up to $38,500 now. Okay, that's a lot of difference. Okay, um, or a Volkswagen from 1980 to 1991 from $9,500 to $36,000 now. Okay, or you got the Lexus from 2011, 2012, cost you $350,000, which is a lot. Okay, a lot more than I can do for sure. And now, though, it's 582000 You know, uh, 2005, 6, 4 GT from 150,000 dollars to 395,000 dollars. And then a jaguar uh, from 48 to' 54, 1948 to Uh 3945 dollars, and now 144,000. So restoring that's some really, some really cool things I think. I like, I like that type of stuff. but what's the price on a restored person? So you can't, you can't put a tag on that. Amen. Some of you are. Some in, in, in this church is. You're one of those. right? You're one of those restored people. Number two, restoration. Look in verse 22. The father told his servants, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. So let me look at those parts real quick, okay? Let's look at the robe. Right? The robe. In Isaiah 61, verse 10, it says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. I exalt my God, and he has clothed me with the garments of salvation and wrapped me in a robe of righteousness as a groom wears a turban and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. See, the robe has to do with cleanliness. It went on someone after he had been washed, and it also stands for honor. It stands for honor. Uh, honor and cleanliness. This same guy who was swimming in a bunch of pig slop, Honor, cleanliness. The ring, what does the ring stand for? The ring stands for authority. Okay? The ring stands for authority. You're my son. You're still my heir. You're still my son. Okay? Give this authority back. The shoes. The shoes would be opposite of slaves who wouldn't have any. Yeah. At least you would have shoes. And don't forget about the steak. Sorry I had to add that. Come on now. Come on. Everybody here likes a little steak. All right. Slaughtered a calf. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. All right. I don't know. Prime rib or ribeye or sirloin or something. Right? That, with a Tyler the back there. Woo. Right. I'm getting excited right now. Y'all We go ahead and have that. See, he was being fully restored. Fully restored. That's the point. See, none of the four things that were brought to the repentant repentant prodigal were necessities. None of them. Uh, He could have just said, all right, man, good to have you back. Good to have you back, Tyler. Man, you're my son. Give me a hug. Nope. He went over that. He went above that. See, they, they were all meant to honor the son and make him know he was loved, he was special. You're my child. He did much more than meet his needs. And remember what we read earlier today. Had the boy been dealt with according to the law, there would have been a funeral, not a feast. There would have been a stoning, not a shindig. What a beautiful illustration of what we read earlier in Psalm 103, where it says, He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows that we are made of, remembering that we are dust. Once Abraham Lincoln was asked how he was going to treat the rebellious Southerners when they had finally been defeated and had returned to the Union of the United States. The questionnaire expected that Lincoln would take a dire vengeance, but he answered, I will treat them as if they had never been away. Powerful. Wouldn't it be great to come home to a father like that? When you give your life to Christ, you've been restored. Humanity and God were at enmity when sin entered the world, but Jesus made a way where there was no way. Amen? And that's not all you get whenever you come home. Now, almost done. Because our eternal home is worth it. Coming home is marked by confession, restoration, and celebration. I'm not going to sing um, Cooling Again" today. All right? But I thought about it. Okay? Celebrate okay all right i was saying some of it all right some of my favorite memories of family gatherings have been celebrations and and dancing uh you know i can we still have pictures of um and the girls weren't even born then and, but our cousins who are now in their 30s when they were little and we're just out dancing you know we're just out in the, you know in the yard dancing and i remember our cousin my cousin amanda's uh wedding and we went to tampa went to Tampa for the wedding, and, and, man, it was, we had such a blast, okay? You know? Like, basically, the whole family was dancing, right? We, you know, and, and, you know, I can, I might can cut a rug a little bit, but but I have, my, my Aunt Brent and Uncle Bob, they can go now. They can, take it. They can dance for real, dance. But, you know, it was just so much fun. And we did that Psalm at, at Bethany's wedding a couple of weeks ago. But celebration, look at it again, verse 23, 24. Then bring the fat and calf and slaughter. It. Let's celebrate with a feast. The son of mine was dead and is alive. He's lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. And we should do the same. Luke 15, verse 10 says, I tell you, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. So in between him telling the story about, about the coin, all right, and before the coin, all right, we have the lost sheep. All right? In between that, he says, there's joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. They have a party. They celebrate. What, and what happened in, in each of those parables? Did you notice? Did you see that? you see the... Well, there's a lot of common themes there, but let me go ahead and bring that out to you. See, the shepherd calls his friends and neighbors together, telling them to rejoice with them. All right? Come on, man. Come join us. We're going to have a party. Doesn't the woman do the same thing? The woman calls her friends and neighbors and tells them to rejoice with her as well. And then, and this one as well. It's one of the benefits of being involved in a local church. By the way, I have to throw that in there. If you're not going somewhere, you're more than welcome to come here. I just want you to go somewhere. But get involved in a local ch- church because you can celebrate together. Because our eternal home is worth it. Coming home is marked by confession, restoration, and celebration. And and we can now, we can now eat now, right, Brother Patrick? We can eat now, we, or we can go ahead and start the service And uh, for Miss Jackie. No, nope, not, not yet. You've been blabbering for over 30 minutes, man. Be quiet. Let's take a few minutes. Y'all know we got to do this just for a moment. Let's look at the older brother. Amen or oh me. Because, see, I feel... Most everyone here loves the part that I've already preached on today. Oh, man, that's good stuff, Brother Patrick. Man, I like that story. Being accepted just as he was by the Father and the Father looking for him. I mean, we get all the feels, right? Y'all still say that? We, I don't know. Caitlin, y'all still say that? All the feels? I don't know. And I'm hoping that if that's you today, you will see that you can come home to your Heavenly Father. You can come home to Him. But let me preach for a moment here before we go eat, before we have the service. He, look in verse 28. He became angry. The, son became, the other son became angry. He didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. He didn't have to do that. See the father again? But he replied to his father Look, I've been slaving many years for you. I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has divided your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered a fattened calf for him. Son, he said to him, You're always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and alive again. He was lost and was found. Did he, did he have the right to be angry? I mean, be careful here. If you're a rule father, if you're a type A, you got to hold grudges. Whew. This want to preach to you a little bit. But did you notice that, and I want to thank Brother Bill for this, uh, one of my uh, spiritual mentors, you know, that he's pointed out that he makes assumptions. The, the brother makes assumptions. See, I mean, it doesn't, necessarily come out and say um that it says he he squandered it with righteous living. It doesn't say that he was a prostitute. Maybe. Alright? But the brother said he that's what he did. Ah, oh, he, he was he was with a bunch of prostitutes. Yeah. And then he plays pity party you catch that? Alright. Y'all give him some steak. You didn't give me any a goat. Not one time. You didn't give me a goat. I don't know much about goat meat, but I'm, I'm guessing with my experience with steak, it's not as good. I just, personally. But anyway, that's just me. You know, Sally thinks that's funny. She knows I love steak. See, we, we can become this older brother with our self-righteous attitudes. Maybe we should hear the Father say, you are always with me. Aren't I enough? Is he enough for you? If not, confess that and be restored and, and have your own celebration. Because our eternal home is worth it. And I asked Mr. Loris and Sally to come up. I'm actually finally finishing. Coming home is marked by confession, restoration, celebration. So a story is told of a woman who left her husband. The husband called the police and filed a missing person, missing persons report. A few weeks later, the police found her a few counties over. They asked him if he wanted them to take him over to her by now the husband had realized how poorly he had treated his wife he he decided to write his wife and he did for months he wrote his wife finally christmas came and he went to see her she was in a rundown hotel he asked her to come home and she said and she did and on the way home he said i've written you for months why did not you come home so easily and she replied Because those were just letters. This time he came in person. See, these letters, this book, tells us about somebody who did come in person. Amen? Jesus Christ came in the flesh. 1 Timothy 115, it's not up there, Miss Rhonda, but it says, This thing is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I'm the worst of them. Is that you today? Do you want to know him today? If you do, I encourage you to to come up during the altar. So we have this song here uh, played today for you guys. Um, if you have made that decision already, and you're maybe you're encouraged to um, to to maybe admit that you're the the other brother. Right? Ask for confess that to God as well, and He'll forgive you. You can do that at your right where you are. or You can come to the altar either way. All right, as we stand and sing and sound. It's him three twelve softly and tenderly.